Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I'm your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about things that are top of mind as you navigate your career or build your business. The plan is to get you out of your rut or talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Here, we speak the truth. Here, we challenge ideas. Here, we give ourselves grace. And along the way, we also have a little fun. Welcome to the village. On this week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective, we're talking about code switching. And this has been something that's been on my mind for a while. Uh, Watching Vice President Kamala Harris in the debates with um, former Vice President Mike Pence, um, just talking to a number of people around the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, having a conversation with a couple of friends in the last few days about just women and women in leadership, and then on the backs of Black History Month and now into Women's History Month, really thinking deeply about how we connect, how we lead, uh, working a lot with female entrepreneurs and that kind of that idea that I want everybody to lead with their heart, but I really need you to act with your head, right? And there was an article that came out a few weeks ago that really made me say, you know what, this is this is something we need to discuss. And that article, there was a teacher who posted about code switching. And her premise was she had students that would come in and they would use a lot of colloquial language. I think she was in an urban school. So essentially uh, language that could be associated with uh, communities of color. And her premise was, look, we need to stop penalizing these kids for using these colloquialisms and for code switching. And the the conversation around that was very interesting. Um, some people saying, yeah, you know, we just need to recognize it kind of like with texting and everything. Nobody spells out any words anymore, which I think is a problem. And and then others saying, well, wait, there's there's one thing to understand to be able to communicate with someone who is using colloquialisms. There's another thing to negate the importance of really understanding and learning language and, and being able to communicate in a way that is uh, professional and uh, grammatically correct and all of those kind of things. And especially for those who want to continue and go into business and all of these kind of things, there really is still such a thing as appropriate language. And so I got to thinking about that and said, you know, because because the way I came down on it, quite frankly, was, wait a minute, you know, the last thing we need is for another person out of good, good, well-meaning intent to have all of these unintended consequences of all of these kids of color now not being able to understand, read, write, speak grammatically correct English out of a desire to honor colloquialisms and code switching. So again, well-meaning intention, unintended consequences. But digging deeper into that, I said, Laurel, before you lose your mind, do what you tell everybody else to do. Do some research, make sure you're paying attention, make sure you get some facts and data before you just go off. And the reality is, if you look up just the basic definition of code switching, it really is more of a linguistic definition. And for those of you who listen to me who are international and bilingual or trilingual or multilingual, that whole idea of code switching around languages really talks about being able to converse in multiple languages, moving back and forth between languages, um, how you have to think differently about the words you use. Um, I even think about Spanish, Spanish that's spoken in, spoken in Spain versus Spanish that's spoken in Mexico. The differences in languages, the difference in words, uh, some words that you would use in Spain that could get you in trouble in Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that 
there's that linguistic piece of code switching that really talks about just the maneuvering and manipulation of language in order to communicate. And way down number three definition is this whole idea of socio-cultural norms, that idea of code switching in order to assimilate or to fit in. And we can have a whole conversation about assimilation and, and selling out as we hear a lot, and especially in the black community. And that's probably for a whole different discussion. But if we talk about code switching in the context of this socio societal acceptance and around behavior, especially in communities of color and women, when we're in Women's History Month, that becomes a bigger issue and a bigger deal. And something that I think in that area of diversity, equity, and especially inclusion, that becomes a piece of how we engage with people and how we understand where people are coming from and be able to really be inclusive. Because again, the piece of DE&I that's difficult is inclusion. It's not a diversity piece. That's just numbers. You can go hire a bunch of people that don't look like you, don't speak the same language as you, have different cultures as you, have a different gender as you. That's the easy piece. Go find them. That's easy. It's the inclusion piece, right? It's, it's getting to equity. If you look on a scale, Laurel's perspective, diversity, then equity, then inclusion. The inclusion piece is hard because the inclusion piece means we have to get over ourselves and honor the differences in someone else truly and deeply so that we can hear them and we can communicate them and we can value their input. So in code switching, it gets back to that idea that how people show up and how they perform and how they engage on a daily basis may or may not be directly related to who they are authentically because society has determined what's acceptable, what's normal, how you need to show up. And it can even go back generations, if you, especially if you look in communities of color and in particular the black community, and we see this now, we just had the big, you know, blow up interview with Megan and Harry, um, Oprah's interview with them, and the idea of someone in the palace being concerned about the the darkness potentially of little Archie's skin and leading back to the whole paper bag test in the black community. And if you were lighter than a paper bag, you were okay. And if you were darker than a paper bag, that meant something else, right? Those who worked in the house versus those who worked in the field, all of that kind of stuff related to color, but also related to how you show up, straightening your hair versus wearing it natural or wearing it in twists, the kind of clothes you wear, wearing a suit, never wearing pants, always wearing a skirt, all of these kind of things from a, a racial and a gender perspective that you code switch in order to be heard, in order to be seen, in order to be seen as a viable contributor to the organization or the situation that you're in. For women in particular, the way this is shown up, and, and I grew up in, in manufacturing, right? When I started working, that's where I was. I was in oil and gas, and then I was in technical manufacturing, and then my customers were automotive manufacturing, and then I worked at parts manufacturers. I mean, I and I love it. I love the tangible nature of manufacturing. But those manufacturing organizations can be hardcore, blue collar, rough language, rough work. It's manual labor. And women who go into those situations often find themselves having to prove that they are worthy of being there, prove that they can do the work, prove that they're not too soft, prove that they can lead this group of hardcore, burly men, right? 
and they're not going to be offended by all the language and they're not, they're going to be able to put up with um, someone being a little bit harder on them, right? And we could talk about and delve into all of the behavioral issues around that. But at the crux of it from a code switching perspective is how we show up as women often, we have a feeling that we have to be just as brash. We have to use just as foul a language. We have to be just as hardcore. And we just have to be, you know, in your face as the guys are in order to be heard or seen as strong. And that's code switching because Many, many women, you lead from your heart as opposed to from your head. You lead softer. You lead with more compassion. And that tends to be more of just kind of a gender parity kind of thing, the way we're wired, right? It's not good or bad. It just kind of is. And that's also one of the reasons why women are often seen as softer leaders. You can't make the hard decisions. You can't make the tough decisions because you're really worried about how people feel and you're worried about how you're going to come off. And while we still have those things and we can still show up strong and we still be compassionate, that code switching often has a swing in the pendulum so far that we are not able to bring all of ourselves to the role that we're doing. And true leaders show all of that. Uh, my friend Lexi, her book in, you know, the the graceful leader, right? That idea of grace, having everything from being able to make really tough decisions and being able to be authentic and clear. It's not unkind to be clear and being pointed in your communication, but also having enough understanding and compassion that you are talking to a person that you can show the heart as well. That code switching makes it very difficult for us to feel okay bringing all of ourselves to work, whether that is from a gender perspective, whether that is from a racial perspective, whether that is from a cultural perspective. And we get so wired with code switching that we don't even know it's happening sometimes. You know, the, the memes that came out after the debate with um, VP Harris and, and former VP Pence was showing pictures of, of of VP Harris and her different facial expressions. And the memes talked about how she was going through all these mental gymnastics before she even spoke. And we do that all the time. How am I going to show up? How is this going to come across? Am I yelling? Am I screaming? What is my face doing? What are my hands doing? Especially as black women, because if you show any raising of your voice, if your posture is different, you're a mad black woman, you are just upset. You just got all of these issues. And people see that and see your tone and see your attitude as opposed to hearing your message. And that is cultural. That is social. And so you see a lot of us code switching. We come softer. We make sure our hands are down. We dress differently. All of these kind of things that we think about rapidly in rapid succession before we even open our mouths. And again, sometimes that is not even conscious because we are code switching. And that is so much deeper than just thinking about the language that we're saying. It is how our posture is. It's how we're showing up. It is who we are and having to switch who we are just to be seen and just to be heard. It's one of the reasons why so many times we have all of these employee resource groups and we have all these women's initiatives and how we're going to get more women on boards. We'll talk about that at some point too how we're going to get more women on boards and how we need more women in leadership positions. And we have all these women's initiatives and women's groups. And those things, quite frankly, make me crazy. They make me crazy. And I know that's controversial, but they make me crazy. And they make me crazy because there are times when those groups become just whining sessions or just put upon sessions or just, this is not what we're doing. And that makes me nuts because of two things. One, 
If you're going to bring a problem, let's bring a solution. And let's bring a solution in a way that is tied to business imperatives. Number two, there are so many issues that I have to deal with as a black woman that have nothing to do with gender before I can even get to the gender issues. So if we're going to sit and you're going to have me in a room for 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half and talk about how bad it is for gender equity, I got so many other things I'm dealing with before I get to that. Right. So my tolerance for some of those those situations tends to be pretty low. And yet I also understand how important it is because to have representation, because if you can't see it, it's hard for you to be it. So if you can't see women who are supporting other women, if you can't see women who are in positions of leadership, if you can't see black women, Muslim women, Middle Eastern women, Pan-Asian women, if you can't see women of all cultures and creeds represented in leadership, in positions of power, in positions of authority, then it's hard for you to see that that's a possibility. It's hard for you to see that you are capable and your skills will be recognized and valuable and that it's a possibility for you too. And in that code switching, when we code switch, we are also sending messages to those people who are watching us, to those young girls who are watching us, to those women who are in the early stages of their careers, who are watching us, who are in those more senior levels of careers, right? How you show up, how you confront a question that may be very passive aggressive in a public setting, how you respond in a public setting, how you respond in writing. There is so much scrutiny on women and in particular communities of color about how we respond publicly because our how gives much more communication than our what because there is bias around the how that has nothing to do with the what, but simply in how we show up and who we are. This is the skin I wear every day, every day. I don't get to switch this skin. This is who I show up as every single day. And that's what people see first. When I enter the room, that's what people see first. And so I have to get across that potential barrier or potential biases related to just who I am and how I was born in order to be seen and heard. And I have to be able to read a room quickly. I have to be able to to listen actively, not only to what people say, but what they don't say. I have to be able to look at body language. I have to listen with my whole person and see and hear and understand the whole person across from me and the room across from me in order to manage and manipulate and effectively code my language so that my message is heard and is not clouded or translated or twisted simply because of the package that it's coming in. And you can't prevent all of that. And we all have some kind of hidden bias. We all have some kind of challenges that we're overcoming because of our experiences, right? Now, sometimes it's just because of what we've been taught, but sometimes it's our actual experiences that we are trying to overcome or that that cloud our perspective of someone or our perception of someone. But it's important that we understand when people show up, especially as leaders, when people show up, are they really showing up as their entire selves or are they having to code switch from the time their foot steps out of their car that morning? Are they able to bring their entire selves to work or are they figuring out how to maneuver just so they can be seen as a valuable member of the team? And what are you as a leader losing because that person is not bringing their entire self to work? So in this month of women's history and continuing Black History Month 
and the whole idea of everyone being able to show up authentically. It is important to understand that code switching is a real thing. Code switching is a way that people manage through every day, a way that people show up so that they can just function in some ways, right? That idea of trying to maneuver through trauma and traumatic situations and situations that are just culturally insensitive just to be able to get work done, just to be able to provide, just to be able to to perform. There's a whole function of being able to just be and just exist and be valued for your existence. And that is not just in a corporate setting, but that is culturally. So we're always having to have those same battles. You know, when women go buy a car and if you happen to have a guy with you and the salesperson is always talking to the guy and you're the one buying the car, that's one of the reasons I hate buying vehicles, by the way, sidebar, right? But you're the one buying. That's irritating and that's frustrating, right? But there's bias in that. There's bias in that, that we have to overcome. That whole idea that you have to be harder and harsher and stronger and and really show up with, with no vulnerability and no soft edges because if you show a crack, people are gonna make it into a chasm. But what does that do to you psychologically? What does that do to you emotionally? When what you really wanna do is be able to listen to everybody in the room, have everybody collaborate and come up with a great solution. But you have had to switch the way you come up and the way you show up because of the culture that you're in that says that's not acceptable, that's not okay. And the only way to get your voice heard is to be something other than who you are, to show up a different way than who you are. And let's be clear, I'm not talking about just normal assimilation because there are things that are cultural norms. It is important that you use appropriate language for the appropriate situation. It's important that you understand good grammar. That's why I love the language nerds. It's important that you understand those things. It's also important that you have an opportunity to just let loose. I can't tell you how many times growing up I was accused of talking proper or talking white, whatever that meant, right? Because I used appropriate grammar because in my house you spoke like you had some sense is what it was called, right? You spoke like you had some sense, but that doesn't mean that when I'm around my girlfriends or when I'm around family or when I'm not in some kind of setting that requires a level of English and grammar and communication that demonstrates intellect, because again, this is how I show up, that I'm not able to just drop some language right? Or, or say words that I wouldn't normally say in certain settings. We can all do that. We all code switch, even in communities, you know, that there are real issues around color barriers, even within communities of color. There are real issues around code switching, even within communities of color. I hear this a lot from people I've worked with who work in, especially in India, they have the same issue around, you know, darker or lighter. What are the colloquialisms? How are you speaking? If you think about even that whole Appalachian area in the United States, right? If you think about people in Texas and how we have this twang sometimes, which really comes out for me when I'm exhausted. There's a level of, of perception about your intellect and your capability depending on your accent. And people code switch, right? People code switch so that they can remove barriers as much as possible. So going into the rest of this Women's History Month and just showing up every day as a leader, pay attention to your folks. Pay attention to how comfortable or uncomfortable they are. 
If they are really quiet, why are they quiet? If someone comes at you really passionate and you are taken aback, maybe pause and not just assume that they're angry or irritated or, or just being contrary and maybe actually listen and listen to what they're saying as opposed to how they're saying it and then dig deeper into the how. Have you not been listening to them? Have they been marginalized because they look different or talk different or think different? What is it that that person is doing every day before they even show up to your organization? And how are they having to switch who they are every time they go into a different situation where you may not have to? And think about how capable they have to be to be able to do that effectively. That's some major skill, guys, to be able to switch depending on the situation that you're in and to do it effectively and to still be authentic. That's some major stuff right there. That's a major skill. And how can we enable people to just be who they are, to still be appropriate for the situation, but to just be who they are and not feel like they have to turn themselves into a pretzel just to be seen and just to be heard and just to be taken seriously. As leaders, we got to find a way to do that. That's what inclusion is about. And on this Women's History Month, the day after International Women's Day, It is really important that we continue to give people space to be who they are and that we train people and support people to understand the community cultures, the organizational cultures, that we understand them and that we help other people understand them as they build their career so they can still be who they are and also assimilate into the organization the way the organization wants to provide for its customers and to show up in a way that aligns with its mission and its vision and its values. And by doing that, we enable people who are in the organization to be people who are aligned with that mission, mission, vision, and values. And for those who aren't to find somewhere else to be, to be successful somewhere else. But it's important to understand that everyone is doing some level of code switching all the time, all the time. Everyone who is an other is doing some kind of code switching all the time. And to understand that and to have compassion for that and to practice the pause around that to give people some space to just be is a beautiful thing. And that's the Rutledge perspective for this week. Thank you for being a part of it and for tuning in and for downloading and for listening. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, Please leave us a review, send us your comments, give us a five-star rating. We take that information seriously and it helps us to decide what our next episodes will be. Now you can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. And if there's someone that you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge Perspective podcast, please pass it along.